Um, I know it's a little distracting with all of these Halloween decorations. It, it threw me off when I first came into this building. Um, but it, it got me realizing that this is an illustration of real life. Every single day, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are bombarded with spiritual forces, evil spirits. The devil is alive, and he is always constantly trying to attack us, bring us down, speak lies into our life, call down curses upon our life, and we're just not aware of it. And something like this is so jarring. But if, if our spiritual eyes were open every single day, we would realize that we're constantly in the midst of spiritual warfare. And today, we're going to see the good news that Jesus Christ is our curse bearer. He has taken every curse away from us, and we can have peace. So the past two weeks, we've been focusing on the doctrine of justification. Or in other words... How can I become right with God? Every religion in this world basically teaches the same thing. That you have to be a good person. That you have to earn your salvation through living a good life. Through your good works, through your good deeds. Christianity, however, stands apart from all other religions. As Paul writes in Ephesians... Chapter 2, verse 8 to 9, a very popular passage. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Salvation is a gift. It's not something that we can work for. It's not something that we can try to attain by our own efforts. It's only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, if you've grown up in the church, this is a familiar passage. We all know that salvation is a gift. It's all of God's grace. It's not our own doing. The question we have to ask ourselves this morning is, what do I actually believe in my heart? How do I actually operate day-to-day -day my relationship with God? Am I trusting in my own works, in my own efforts, for my salvation? Or am I trusting in Christ alone? So look with me at today's passage in Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 to 13. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So let's pray once again this morning together. Jesus, we thank you that you are our curse bearer. And for those of us who have grown up in the church and we still are trying to, to merit your favor, to be accepted and presentable before God, 
by our own works, by our own efforts, by cleaning up our act, turning our life around, trying harder, doing more. God, I pray that the gospel would seep into our hearts and set us free. Set us free from this hamster wheel of constantly trying to gain your attention, constantly trying to prove our worth to you. And today, Lord, I pray that Jesus Christ will be exalted. It's his performance, his works, his life, his death, his resurrection. That's all that's needed for our salvation. And we can rest totally, completely in the one who has taken the curse for us. So God, I pray that you speak through me at this time, that your word would penetrate into each person's heart. Set us free, Lord, that we may walk in your freedom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the title of today's message is Cursed for Us. And that's what we're going to see in today's passage really is the heart of the gospel, that Jesus Christ was cursed on our behalf. So we're continuing in our sermon series through the book of Galatians. Today we're on Galatians chapter 3. We're going to eventually get through all six chapters. So I need to give you some background context here. The common Jewish belief at that time was that all Gentiles are under God's curse. Gentiles meaning non-Jewish people. Jewish people believe that all non-Jewish people are cursed. Why? Because they don't have any knowledge of the Mosaic Law. The Mosaic Law was only given to the Jewish people, God's chosen people in the Old Testament. And so these Judaizers, these false teachers, they come to these churches in Galatia after Paul has moved on to plant more churches. These false teachers, they come, and they're now teaching the Galatian Christians, these Gentile Christians, you're not fully saved yet. The gospel that Paul preached to you is not complete. You have to become Jewish. Practically speaking, you have to be circumcised if you're male, And all Gentiles need to adhere to the Mosaic Law. All the 613 commands of the Old Testament, you need to abide by it, obey it perfectly, and then and only then will you be justified, made right before God, be accepted by God. So the main question that Paul is addressing in this chapter is how do Gentiles, non-Jewish people, Become God's people, i.e. the children of God. Because in the Old Testament, the Jews were God's chosen people. They were considered the children of God. So these Gentiles who want to now be grafted in to God's family, how do they actually become part of God's family? The Judaizers, these false teachers, were teaching the Galatian Christians that only Jews are God's people. So if you want to be part of God's family, You have to become Jewish. You can't be born into a Jewish family, but you can be circumcised. You can start adhering to the Mosaic Law. Then you will be children of God. Paul, however, he revises this original question. Paul starts to ask, how does anyone, Jews or Gentiles, become God's people, i.e. children of God? It's not just because you are ethnically of Abraham, that you're children of Abraham, that you're automatically children of God. No. Paul's going to answer, it's only through faith. 
It's not by circumcision. It's not by adhering to the Mosaic law. It's not by being Jewish by ethnicity. Only those who have faith are part of God's true family and are called children of God. So why faith? Why does Paul emphasize faith? We're going to see in verse 10a. He writes, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. Now what does it mean to rely on the works of the law? This is another way of saying justification by works, or trying to be made righteous, declared righteous, accepted by God based on your own works. Trying to earn your salvation through your own efforts by keeping all of God's law. But what Paul is going to say is that contrary to what these Judaizers, these false teachers are saying, all Gentiles are not under God's curse. Do you want to know who's really under God's curse? All who rely on the works of the law, including these Judaizers, these so-called true preachers of the gospel, they are under God's curse themselves, and they are leading you to go under God's curse by trying to teach you that you have to rely on the works of the law, that you have to earn your salvation by your own efforts. So what's Paul's rationale for this harsh indictment? Saying that these Judaizers who are trying to rely on the works of the law, they themselves are under God's curse. We find his reasoning in verse 10b. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Paul in this chapter, he's going to use a lot of Old Testament references because he wants to defeat these false teachers, these Judaizers, on their own turf, so to speak. He's going to poke holes at their own reasoning by using the Old Testament. So in this short passage, verses 10 to 13, Paul is going to pile up four Old Testament references on top of each other, back to back to back to back, to present his case like a skillful lawyer. He wants to make an argument. So I need you to follow along, pay attention, focus, don't be distracted by any of the, the decorations here. And let's try to follow Paul's logic and reasoning. So this first Old Testament quote, it comes from Deuteronomy 27, verses 26. So he's saying, Judaizers, you think that you can be saved by your own efforts, by keeping God's law. But it says in Deuteronomy, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. You are cursed if you don't do all of God's laws, all of his commands. You see, justification by works requires 100% perfect obedience. But the problem is, all of us have sinned. All of us are sinners and fall short of God's glory, fall short of his righteous requirements. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. So therefore, it's impossible to earn your salvation through your own efforts by trying to obey God's laws perfectly. It's not possible. It's foolish. 
And so to keep trying, to keep trying to rely on the works of the law, to be justified by your own works, it's so foolish. You're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up to be eternally cursed. Why do you want to go back to that? Paul then presents his second Old Testament reference in verse 11. He says, Now it is evident that no one is justified or made right before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. So Paul quotes here from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. The righteous shall live by faith. Now when you see the phrase live by faith, most likely you start to think about living each day by faith versus living by fear. Usually when we hear live by faith, you start to think about, I need to live each day with trust in the Lord and not be afraid of my circumstances. That's biblical, that's true. But that's not what this verse is talking about. The word live here is referring to eternal life or justification as opposed to eternal death. The righteous shall have eternal life by faith, or the righteous shall be justified by faith. So what Paul is arguing here is that even in the Old Testament, the Old Testament preached justification by faith, not justification by works. So these Judaizers, these false teachers, they're twisting the Old Testament itself. The Old Testament is good, it's holy, it's righteous. That's what Paul argues in Romans chapter 7. There's nothing wrong with the Old Testament itself. But when you start to twist it into a, a system of salvation, of how I can earn my salvation by trying to keep all of God's laws on my own effort, that's when you get into trouble. The Old Testament also preached justification by faith. Now the third Old Testament reference is found in verse 12. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. So this reference, it comes from Leviticus chapter 18, verse 5. I want us to look at the original quote here, Leviticus 18, verse 5. I'm going to read from the NASB 1995. It's a very literal translation. In the original quote, it says, So you shall keep my statutes and my judgments, by which a man may live if he does them. I am the Lord. Again, the word live here is referring to eternal life. You can only have eternal life if you do, if you fulfill, if you obey all of God's statutes. This is bad news. Why is it bad news? Again, all of us are sinners. All of us are born as sinners. We are depraved. We don't want to live for God's glory. Now, even the Pharisees during the New Testament times, they, they thought they were, they were fulfilling this command, this verse. They thought that they were fully obeying, fulfilling all of God's statutes. They thought they were perfectly righteous. They looked down on everyone else. But Jesus comes in the Sermon on the Mount, and he gives a proper interpretation of the Old Testament. He says, you think that by your external righteousness that you are fulfilling all of God's commands? Even if you don't commit adultery physically, if you look at a woman lustfully, 
You have committed adultery in your heart. Or even if you don't murder someone physically, if you have hatred in your heart towards anyone, you have already committed murder. So Jesus gives a proper interpretation of the Old Testament. It's not just about external righteousness. It's about our hearts, our desires, our motives. All of us fail the test. We're all sinners. We fall short of God's righteous standard. You see, the law, the Old Testament, the Mosaic Covenant, was never meant to be a means of earning salvation. That's why there were animal sacrifices in the Old Testament Covenant. Because God had to provide forgiveness of sins. And these animal sacrifices, they don't actually atone for any sins. They just point you to the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ, where we will actually have atonement of all of our sins. But you cannot earn salvation. You can't merit eternal life by following all of God's commands. One of the main purposes of the law is to function as a mirror this morning, when you're getting ready to come to church, I don't know what time you wake up on Sundays. 8 in the morning, 9 in the morning, 9.30, 9.45. Whatever time you woke up this morning, you're going to go into the bathroom, you're going to brush your teeth, hopefully, wash your face, you're going to look in the mirror. And then you can see any blemishes or imperfections. Maybe my hair is messy. Or maybe I have an eyelash stuck on my cheek. Or, or maybe there's food stuck in my teeth. And so in the same way, when you look at the Old Testament, when you look at the Mosaic Law, all of God's commands written in the Scriptures, you see how far you fall short of God's standards. You see that you don't love God perfectly with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You don't love your neighbor as you love yourself. You don't live for the glory of God to honor Him in all of your ways. And so the law, what it does is it exposes the depths of our sin and also it points out our desperate need for a savior we can't save ourselves that's the whole point of the old testament you need a savior in your life and that's what we come to in the fourth old testament reference in verse 13 christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Now this final Old Testament reference, it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 22 to 23. In the Old Testament, if you committed a very heinous crime, sin against God's law, and you were worthy of the death sentence, you were stoned to death, the death penalty, they would hang you on a pole or on a stake or on a tree after you're dead so that you'll be publicly shamed, so that everyone would be able to see that that person is cursed by God. So you can see why the cross of Jesus Christ, a wooden cross, a tree, is a major stumbling block for all Jewish people. Paul himself, a Jew, formerly persecuted Christians because of this verse in Deuteronomy chapter 21. Jesus was hanged on a cross, a Roman cross on a tree 2,000 years ago. He was naked, publicly shamed, 
so that the whole world would be able to say, this person is cursed by God. So Paul used to think to himself, before he met Christ, he was a Pharisee. He was zealous to keep God's law perfectly. He thought to himself, how can these Christians, these heretics, worship this man, Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified on a Roman cross? He was cursed by God. How could these foolish Christians follow this person and call him Lord and Savior and divine? He wanted to persecute them. This is going against God's law. But one day, God opens Paul's eyes. And he's able to see now that all of the Old Testament pointed to Jesus Christ. And Paul then would have reread all of the Old Testament scriptures, seeing how every single book of the Old Testament is talking about Jesus. And he would have eventually got to Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 to 6, where it says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, or cursed by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Yes, Jesus was cursed by God when he hung on that tree on that Roman cross 2,000 years ago. That man is cursed. But he was not cursed for his own transgressions. He was not cursed for his own iniquities. Jesus was cursed by God for us. That's why Paul writes in verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. These two words, for us, are at the heart of the gospel. It's substitutionary atonement. Jesus, the perfect, sinless Son of God, took our place on that cross. He took our punishment. He took our condemnation. He took our judgment. The wrath of God that was due unto us, He bore in our place. He is our Savior. Now the word redeem here, it's a marketplace term. It was used in the Greco-Roman society usually in reference to slaves. Slaves will be brought to the marketplace and they can be purchased or their freedom can be bought back. That's what redeem means. And what Paul is saying is that all of us were once slaves. All of us were once hostages under the curse of the law because apart from Christ, we are doomed. We're destined for eternal damnation because we are not perfectly obeying God's commands. But the good news is that Christ paid the ransom price in full with his own blood. Jesus, the Savior of the world, he took your place on that cross and he paid the penalty for our sins so that you 
will be set free. You have been redeemed. As it says in that well-known hymn, till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on Him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live. So today, as we reflect on the gospel once again, what are you trusting in for your right standing before God? Are you trusting in your own works, in your own efforts, trying to earn salvation and a right standing before God? Or are you trusting in Christ alone, in His finished work on the cross? It is impossible to be justified by works. You can't do it. It's foolish to keep trying. So brothers and sisters, today, stop relying on your own performance for eternal life. When you start thinking to yourself, I need to read the Bible more. I need to pray more. I need to be a better Christian. I need to love people better. I need to earn God's favor in my life. Now all of these things are good, but it's, it's out of our relationship with God that we already have. Because we want to grow in communion with God. We want to grow in intimacy with the Lord. We want to please Him out of gratitude, out of love, out of joy. But it's not to earn God's favor. It's not to merit eternal life. Jesus paid the penalty for all of your sins, past, present, and future. And not only that, Jesus Christ is the only human being in history who has perfectly abided by all things written in the book of the law. And when you trust in Christ, when you trust in Christ alone, in His finished work on the cross, in His performance on your behalf, His perfect righteousness is credited to you, and you are justified. You are declared righteous before God. So I want to close with this quote by John Stott. John Stott was one of the most prominent theologians in the 20th century. He writes, The first road is called the law. Those who travel by it are those who rely on the works of the law. They are under a curse. The second road is called faith. They inherit the blessing. What is the blessing? We're going to find out. The first group trusts in their own works. The second, in the finished work of Christ. The challenge of this passage is straightforward. We look at the next slide. We must reject the proud foolishness of supposing that we can establish our own righteousness or make ourselves acceptable to God. Instead, we must come humbly to the cross where Christ bore our curse and throw ourselves entirely upon His mercy. And then, by God's sheer grace, because we are in Christ by faith, we shall receive the blessing. What is the blessing? Of justification, eternal life, and the indwelling Spirit. The indwelling Spirit is very significant for the next chapter, which we'll look at next week. 
But what we see again in this chapter, what we're going to see all throughout the book of Galatians, is that Christ plus something equals nothing. You completely nullify the gospel of God's grace if you try to factor in your performance on top of Jesus' performance. If you could save yourself, Christ died for nothing. But Christ plus nothing equals everything. All you have to do is rely totally on Jesus Christ, our curse bearer, and believe that Jesus Christ was cursed for me. And it's only because of him that I am justified, righteous before God. Thanks for listening to the Redeemed Community Church Toronto podcast. If you enjoyed the message, please subscribe and we'll let you know when a new episode is available.